en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skriftierlik. Goeiemorgen en wat een voorrecht om saam met jou weer eens te kan keir. Pastor Rocky, good morning to you. How are you doing, sir? Good morning, very well, thank you, Vainan. Lovely to be here. Yeah, wonderful to have you on board. And we're already eight minutes into this hour, so let's get the ball rolling. The WhatsApp number, you know how it works by now, 082-657-2729. If that was a bit quick, don't worry, we'll give it to you during the course of the program. But uh, if you've got a question from God's Word... Yeah, I see people were very impressed with Christine's program from one interesting program to yet another one. Scriptural, skriftierlik, en as jy vraag het uit die Bijbel het, iets wat iemand gesê het, wat nie sin maak nie. Nou ja, dan laat ons geen steen onaangeraak om die waarheid te vind. We search the scriptures. We work according to Acts 17 11 and it says it's good to listen to Rocky and Weinand. It's good to listen to Radio Pulpit. But uh, you need to search the scriptures on a daily basis to see if these things are so. And uh, then you can send your question in 082-657-2729. And if possible, just make a reference of that scripture that you're wondering about. So, steer it for us in the scripture in Psalm tackle ons dan die woord van die Heere. As jy volgend net luister in jou huis en jou motor by die werkplek, kan ek jou vraag om te bid vir Rocky, kan ek jou vraag om te bid vir ons hier in die atelier, that what we share with you would be uh, not the flesh, but indeed God's Spirit, steering us, guiding us, supernaturally reminding us of Scripture and God's Word to guide you. Man's opinion, one thing, God's opinion, the highest authority known to mankind. So there you have it, 082-657-2729. You received an email from Chris that said, What about the sinner's prayer? What is your view on the sinner's prayer? Is it even biblical? And for those who's never heard that or thought about that, is there such a thing as the sinner's prayer to be found in God's Word? Rocky, over to you. Yeah, um, so I, I can understand quite a quite a hesitation that that comes up regarding the the sinner's prayer but but thank you chris for that question the sinner's prayer is often used by people who are seeking salvation and it's a prayer that expresses repentance for sin as well as faith in jesus christ i think the danger comes when somebody almost thinks of it kind of like a spell that you make you know you you just got to say these few words after me, and then God just and has I to declare you saved. Yeah. You know, God can must automatically now redeem you. And yeah. then, when a person goes astray and goes a different way, 
then a person will say, oh, well, they'll come back, you know, later on. So as long yeah. as we can get our children to say the sinner's prayer early, and it's almost like, you know, you kind of think of Aladdin and the whatever, however many thieves and, you know, or, or whatever, and they get to this place and they've got to give the, the password, you know, yeah. what's the password? And yeah. the sinner's prayer kind of becomes, a, if somebody doesn't know the sinner's prayer, it usually goes something like this, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I deserve to be punished, but I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and he rose from the dead. I now turn from my sin and I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, the words in that prayer are wonderful words and there's biblical truth behind those words. But is there really that believing from the heart? And Romans 10 talks about how you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but from your heart you believe and you'll be saved. So the sinner's prayer, like it is, is not found in any specific passage within the Bible, but it is based on biblical principles. There are biblical principles there, but I do think that it's not just some phrase that you get to say. You know, somebody may truly be born again at that time that they say the sinner's prayer, but somebody else might not be born again. Yeah. And then they become deceived. And so the, the Bible teaches that we are all sinners and all of us need salvation. You know, Romans 3.23. And it teaches that salvation is a gift from God to all those who would receive through faith the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9. However, they just I think the reason that this question has even come up is that this is not just this mechanism that we must use. A formula. You know, it's yeah. not just this formula. There's no formula to salvation. It's not a the sinner's prayer that saves somebody. It's Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. So salvation is not just about simply saying a prayer and following some kind of a steps and ticking some kind of a boxes. It's about a heart change that comes from the Holy Spirit. You're born again from above. And if you truly reduce salvation then to a formula, you might actually miss the whole point of salvation. And so that would be the danger, I think, of something like the sinner's prayer. Salvation is a gift from God for anyone who receives by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not something that we can earn or something that we can deserve. And so the Bible teaches us that salvation is this lifelong journey as well. You are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. As we talk of it as, you know, you have this justification that happens, you have sanctification that happens, and you have glorification that happens. So yeah. salvation is not just that moment of saying a, a prayer as such. And even there's a preemptive work of the Lord Jesus in us by the Holy Spirit's work before salvation that God is busy working out. And so it can't just be boiled down to simply um, a the sinner's prayer. So this means that salvation is not something that we can earn or deserve. It's this gift from the Lord. In the book of Romans, we read about the fact that justification by faith comes about, Romans 3.22, and it means that we are made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. And the reality is we don't have faith in faith either. We have faith in the person of Jesus, in the finished work of Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sins, and we are given the gift of eternal life. So if you are sincerely seeking salvation, and God knows that reality, yeah. he's the one yeah. that sees the heart, then you could pray the sinner's prayer. You know, it's, it's not like that pray prayer is words, a wrong yeah. thing or a right thing, but, yeah. but God sees the heart. But I'd encourage you to go far beyond the sinner's prayer. You know, get to know Jesus Christ. Read the Bible. Spend time in prayer. Let yeah. the Holy Spirit work in your life. Salvation is this lifelong journey. And it's one that we can only work 
a daily uh, dying you know, to self. Yeah, we can only walk this with the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And so I do think that there's a danger, and and I and I see this am, among some that are even within the more fundamental kind of a um, school. Where the, there's this idea of soul winning, and you've got to go and you've got to now convince somebody in this quick evangelism moment yeah. while well, you're a sinner and you're going to hell, and then a person gets scared into yeah. this fact that, like, okay, but I'm going to hell. Now, um, now what do I do? Okay, well, say the sinner's prayer yeah. with me. Yeah. And then a person thinks that they've now soul won somebody. Now, there may be a seed that was planted there in that conversation, but I think that the formula and the means by which that is done, and I'm not saying that there's a wrong motive necessarily when somebody does evangelism, but really it's much more than that. When we're told in Matthew 28 to go make disciples of every nation, discipleship is not just this once hit and miss thing, say the sinner's prayer after me and then you saved. And now we've sold one, so many yeah, people or yeah. so many people. So I think the, we need to be careful of that. So the parable, I've, I've, I've put up that scripture there, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. Uh, because yes. I'm going to push it a little bit yes. further. I know time is against us, but I'm going to push it a little bit further yep. here. It, it speaks about worldly sorrow leading yep. to salvation. That is godly sorrow. Yes. And I've seen men and women at an altar call. Mm. Note my words, altar call in church, walking to the front, almost running to the front, smiling, laughing, patting the brothers on the back. And and then they saying the sinner's prayer. Mm. Then they are declared by whoever leads the altar call, you are saved now. Yes. Uh, it is not for us. Uh, yes. uh, yeah, Second Corinthians 7.10 speaks about worldly sorrow, a hopeless sorrow of yep. those who do not believe that produces death. Yeah, yeah. And we see it in church, isn't it? No, definitely. And I, I think that there's a danger on either side of that spectrum because I, I think sometimes, and I'm in a more conservative, evangelical Baptist, you know, independent Baptist church, and many a times we might even go to the opposite side of that spectrum and do do no calling towards yeah. salvation. And I don't see that either in the New Testament. You know, you see now there is no altar in the New Testament. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also what, that, helpful to, to, for the listener to realize. And even some of that, we've got to realize that many times there were good intentions with things yeah. like altar calls. You, you think of the great Scottish revival. Yeah. And um, a lot of the time there with that revival, it was open air preaching to miners. Billy, Billy Graham's. And, and yeah, I mean, even Billy Graham's, you know, come as you, just as you are. You would use yes. that that hymn, just as you are. And, and that he would call on people to make a decision that day towards salvation. And I do think that there's place for that. However, if we believe that walking down the aisle or putting up our hand or standing up is actually um, is some kind of formula that has to be followed for salvation, I think that's where the danger is. Yeah. However, the New Testament calls us, repent, believe, and be baptized. And that's the call throughout the book of Acts. Right. And there's a real urgency, even in somebody like the apostle um, Peter, that as he calls in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3, when he calls on people to be saved, where he says, right now, they were cut to the heart. What must you do? Well, you must believe, you must be baptized and be saved, every one of you. And there, that day, 3,000 were saved yeah. or they were baptized and they were added to the number of the church. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do overcomplicate some of these things. But um, other times, I think we've got to be careful that we don't just boil it down to some kind of an emotional thing. Mm. However, turn to Jesus right now. 
yeah. while he may be found. Because, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Yeah. Don't wait until tomorrow. Be decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. And I think that there's that urgency that we must also exhibit. But two passages, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Have you yeah. believed today? I think we must tell people and ask them, do you believe today that Jesus is the Lord? And then Romans 10, verse 9 to 10 is another favorite. If that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And yeah. I think that is just amazing. It's amazing. A wonderful truth. scripture. I've written there the key to eternal life in my yes. Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. For with the heart a person believes, leading to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. Maybe part of that confession has been a sinner's prayer. Um, you know, that's, yeah. that's, not, that's not the problem. I think the problem is if we make it just this formula, and you have to have said this. If you didn't say that, I think it's helpful to ask people, what is your testimony? How did you come to saving faith? Yeah. Um, and somebody may well have that. I got saved at a Baptist Union summer camp in 2001. And, um, you know, there, it was, there was a big emotional hype. Oh, at right. that at that time. However, what happened to me genuinely was salvation at that moment. Oh, right. Realizing I'm a sinner, there's a savior for sinners, Jesus is the savior, and I turned to him for salvation. And I think that must happen within the oh, right. heart of an Rocky, individual. Rocky, you can't be saved twice. No, not at all. You can't be saved twice. Um, you saved once. Um, I do think that there is a growing in your appreciation of salvation that happens. And I do yeah. think that there are times of great, uh, let's say, revivals within the hearts of people. There's times where they've realized they've grown a bit lukewarm and they need to be fired up once more. And yeah. I think there's there's moments where people may even have, um, you know, a, a second kind of wind towards being decided in following Jesus. But there's no such thing as a second salvation or as a, you know, you get, and there's people that hold to this, and it's a misunderstanding of the book of Acts, where they have this idea that you get converted, and then you get baptized by the Holy Spirit later on. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. Yeah. And so there's not this two-point kind of a salvation moment. Sometimes for some, there might be a growing nearer to Christ, and then they're only saved later on. Um, and you know, but there's no such thing as the separation between being born again and and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. Uh, so uh, for Chris, uh, thank you very much uh, for that uh, very interesting email. Uh, no, you don't find a formula. You don't find a set a prayer in God's Word called the sinner's prayer. Uh, but uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 apply. If you really turn to the Lord, submit your life and see, say, here I am, Lord. Ek weet, uh, Rocky, as for myself, I didn't pray a sinner prayer. I only mumbled literally to the Lord, if there is hope for me, a sinner, Lord, here I am. And at that moment, spiritual birth took place. And I say always, from the top to in her 30 centimeter, no. This in religion and the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you made that decision? Is the ultimate question this morning. Can you getuig that you all for the Heere gaan staan het gesê het, Here I am a wretched sinner, Lord. Rocky, the next one, a very interesting one. Mora, Pastor, I hope you are doing well. hope uh, you will understand my question this morning. So I know when somebody dies, we always say, well, it is his time. We think of people, say it out of habit, because what if a person drives drunk and dies in a car accident? Was it really God's time to come and get you? But in the same way, I want to take the question further and ask, so let's say you are an overeater. 
obesity. You eat many takeaways uh, and then die of, say, uh, how cholesterol messes you up. And you can then do it from the uh, cholesterol down what does the word say with regards to that? Is it yeah, still God's so it's, timing? It, it's definitely a complex question, and it's a good question. And and we are responsible underneath God for the way that we live, for the way that we live in our bodies. Treat these temple. And there are consequences for the way that we live in real time. I think what becomes difficult for us is uh, is the the fact that God is sovereign and God is outside of time in that sense. And he's not taken by surprise by any of the consequences. I've used the terminology before regarding God's permissive will. And I think that's a helpful concept when it comes to this. God always has a perfect will. And then there's a permissive will. The perfect will of God was that Adam and Eve would always remain in the garden with God and walk with God. His permissive will is that Adam and Eve sinned. He didn't create the sin. He didn't start the evil that was in the heart of Satan. And that permissive will came into action and God had this plan before time even began that Christ would die for sinners. And I think we battle to put that together in our own minds because of how finite we are. And that leads to this kind of a concept. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 29 to 30, Paul speaks about how people can be sick or even die if they take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Wow. So that implies that there are some Christians that may have even gone to be with the Lord before their, let's say, time. let's say God's perfect will time. Yeah, all right. But God's not taken by surprise by that. You know, Romans 6.23 talks about how sin leads to death, both physical and spiritual. When you're getting drunk, when you are sinning, when you are, there's consequences. And God often actually holds back the consequences from us and praise God for his mercy towards us. If we think, and any listener that's listening, there's probably multiple sinful things that have been done even this last week or the last two weeks or the last month that could have actually led towards the physical death of the listener. Yet God in his mercy, and that's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit as well. He is seen as the restrainer. But just because God did not strike us dead yesterday doesn't mean that God cannot or should not or could not strike us dead tomorrow. And so there's a reality in regard to our sin and the fact that sin leads to this death. You know, the, the book of Proverbs says there's a way that seems right in a man's eyes. And I've quoted this often. And it's said twice in the book of Proverbs. There's a way that seems right in a man's eyes, but its end is destruction. Yeah. There's many times that man goes his own way foolishly. And it actually leads towards death. Rocky, can I come in here? I, I know of a young person and I knew this guy perfectly. Uh, I knew him personally where he injected steroids. And, and, and I spoke to him about it and I said, son, mm. uh, and he said to me, but look how good I look physically. I, I mean, that can't be wrong in God's eyes. This is how the Lord intended us. to. And, and truth remains is the damage that we do to our bodies, to God's temple. Ultimately, there's a price to be paid. So yeah. it seems right in man's eyes. But yeah, I mean, the, I know of a 27-year-old man that did the same thing. And, and what an absolute tragedy. Yeah. You know, um, God's perfect will for that person's life was that they would have a wife one day, that they would have children, that they would raise them in a godly way, but they die as a... And and also there's a a sense where when there's this lack of knowledge as well and where you don't have the right tools and and we're so broken. And I think that that that's something to come back to with a balance. You know, Job 121, Job even says that death 
is simply a part of life and that it's always part of that punishment in a sense from God since the, the Garden of Eden. So All we right. recognize that there's this brokenness. But I do think that there's a marvelous reality that takes place for the Christian where there's this almost this um, fighting back of that curse that begins to happen, where there's this healing. We have died with Christ. Now we live in Christ. And there's a redemptive element in that salvific moment that that transcends even the soul element, the fact that you are saved at that point. It begins to impact your very physical disciplines. It starts to make you a good steward of the earth that the Lord has given and the, the creation around us that he's given, the body that he's put you in. You start to seek to honor him, and we must glorify God in our bodies. Yeah. And so I do think that for the Christian, you, know, you, you think of the times when you weren't saved, the stupid things that you did and how kind God was in yeah. keeping you from, yeah. you know, there was a stage um, for me, I, I remember this this incident where I very likely could have died if it was not for some a friend of mine that had actually saved my life at that at that particular moment, and that was even when I was a Christian doing something sinful. Yeah. And um, and God is so merciful towards yeah. us. Can I know? ever say my body is my own? It belongs to me. I can do with it what Definitely I want. Definitely not. You know, First Corinthians six, where we, and that's in the context of sexual immorality. But um, but Paul makes the point that your your body is his. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit that abides within you. So I can't do with it. And what I'd uh, like. and yes, you can't. And if you're married, then your body belongs to your wife. You know, that's also um, <laughs> another passage in in First Corinthians. You know, her body belongs to you. Your body yeah. belongs to her and to. And, and but but God owns you. Um, you you become His slave, and either you're a slave of unrighteousness or you're a slave of righteousness. And so I do think that there's an element where we really do live differently. And you know, Ecclesiastes seven fifteen is another passage. That passage suggests that God is sovereign over our lives. He allows us to die at the exact time that He would have us. And and there's first you know if you think about Psalm one hundred and thirty nine, the days that are allotted for us are allotted to us and so there is a very real element that we will die at the very moment that god said we must die however we do also impact that by the foolish things that we do there is a very real mystery between that sovereignty of god and the responsibility of man god is absolutely sovereign but we are absolutely responsible for the way that we live in the flesh and we want to honor God, don't we, with the way that we live? All right, Rocky, I want to push it a little bit further, my brother. What if this temple starts going blind? What if mm. this temple starts going death? Yes. Uh, and it's not God's appointed time. It's maybe lifestyle. Or is it God's appointed time for me to go blind? Is it God's will that I should be death? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of the guy lying at the pool of Bethesda yes. and, and, and saying, to, and, and Jesus approached him. Yeah. Jesus yeah. says, do you want to be healed? Yeah. He, he didn't start the conversation. Yeah, even, even the blind man of um, John 9, who, yeah. you know, and, and his disciples ask him, well, who sinned here? Yeah. And he said, nobody sinned it so that, that I would be glorified. There are times where we are appointed certain weakness that we have Which is so hard. that we would give God glory. There's thorns in the flesh that we do sometimes bear and that God does not take away from us. And there are times also that we are sick because of the consequences of our actions. And I do think that we need to, and and we live in a society that just wants to medicate everything all the time and just treat the symptoms instead of looking at the heart issue. 
And I do think that we are often very ignorant about some of the heart issues that we have that are beneath some of even the health issues. Because there are times that you have things because of genetics. There's times, and I'm going to be preaching a sermon on that from Exodus 34 this coming week, because we do have that sense where it's passed down from the parents to the children to the third generation of those that have been evil against the Lord. There's very real consequences that we face sometimes, even because of the sinfulness of our parents. But God, in his mercy, through the free offer of salvation in Christ, actually he gives us so much of a redemptive element of bringing us back to a right place before him. And there's, there's sometimes things that we can't do, but there are sometimes times that things that we can do. And I think the problem that we have is that we, we do tend to throw the baby out of the bathwater as such, and we, we get rid of the things that we even were meant to do by God's grace. And we, and we make an excuse for the stuff that we can do because of the things that we can't do. And God doesn't expect us to do the things that we can't do, that oh, he knows right. that we can't do. Yeah. And we are to even boast in our weakness. You know, somebody like the Apostle Paul comes to mind. He, he had a lot of weakness that he faced, and yeah. very possibly he had blindness because of the glory that he saw. In that. And he talks about that even in you know, in Second uh, Thessalonians at the end when he, when he writes it. He says, you can see this was written by my own hand. It's big letters yeah. that you can see. This is the way I always address in my letters. Um, you know, he talked about that when he says, you guys would have even given your own eyes to me if you could when he's when he's complimenting i think it was the philippian church yeah yeah and um so he likely had a big eyesight problem and that could have been the thorn in his flesh that he refers to but he begins to even boast in that even though that was a messenger of satan he knew god is sovereign even over this situation that i face and 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 here's the i think the kicker for us we're so concerned about our comfort god is most concerned about our conformity to the image and the likeness of christ and that's two very different concerns we sometimes look at it and go, but why am I not comfortable? Why can't I see? Why can't I hear? Why can't I have all of these things? Yeah, like I think why I can't I have my limbs? Why be- can't I do this? Yeah, that, we behave yeah. like we deserve that stuff. Yeah. When actually what we deserve is hellfire apart from the grace and the mercy of God. And I think that that's where it comes in. And God in his mercy is working on our character. And often our character is most worked on when we're in the furnace. When we're going through trials and difficulty. <laughs> yes. you, know, you look at the people of Israel in the yes. book of uh, Judges, for yeah. example. Every time that they had peace and prosperity. They fell away from They fell away. They, from fell the away yeah, and they, they turned away. to idol worship. Yeah. But the moment that they had some tribe against them, the Philistines against them, when you they think about, you know, or you think about the Moabites that were against them at one stage, or you think about the Ammonites against them. At some, then suddenly they're calling out to God and God sends them a deliverer, a judge. Yeah. That looks after them. And Samuel was that last judge. So I think a lot of the time, the difficulties that we face are there to humble us, to cause us to realize how dependent we are on the Lord. And we are, we, we really are prideful, aren't we? You know, we tend to think just because we can walk around and just because we can see today or we can hear today, that somehow we deserve that. Yeah. The Lord can take all of that away from us if he wished. Mm. But I think back to the original question, you know, there is a tension there. We are called to be responsible. I remember this, the one lecturer that I had at seminary. He gave me this um, really excellent advice that I still follow to this day. He said, with a sermon, you need to prepare your sermon so hard as if God doesn't exist. And you think, okay, well, that's a bit strange. You know, you've got to prepare the sermon like that. And then he says, you put the sermon aside and you pray so hard as though your, your preparation didn't exist. And that's, I think, the balance that we have. You know, you think about the way that you live your life. You you ought to live your life as though, like, it's fully dependent on your responsibility. 
But then you put aside all of that work that you've done and you say, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. I'm nothing. And so please, would you be pleased to, to work in me? And I do think that there is an element where we, the wise man, lives in such a way that God in his mercy gives him length of days and years of life and even fruit in old age. And you see in the Proverbs that he leaves even an inheritance to his grandchildren, not just to his children. Yeah. And so there's an element that God has called us towards wise living. And I would encourage the listener, go study the book of Proverbs because you do see that there's life and death in whether or not. I mean, I was reading this section with my son yesterday. You know, there's life and death in wisdom. Yeah. If you reject wisdom, you actually embrace death. Yeah. If you accept wisdom, you embrace life. Yeah. And so that's very real inside mm. of time and space. Mm. Yet not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from our heavenly father. Right. And so our life is so intricately in the hand of God mm. at the same time. But you're fully responsible before God. Psalms 37 talks about that as well. Ne? Yes. That, don't look at the, the evildoers and they have this long life. God is giving them chance to return, to repent yes. and turn to him. Yep. And yet uh, we look at one another and, you know, Lord, but look at them. Yep. Uh, what did he say to, to the disciple? What is it to you? You follow me. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I think we need to remember as well the goodness yeah. of God in this in this kind of a conversation because we tend to think of God as separate and kind of far away and maybe even a tyrant. Yeah, right. But Romans eight twenty eight is a passage wow. that must be in the back of our mind. Yeah, you know, He works all, all things. things for good for mm. those that love Him and mm. are called according to His purpose. Mm. God is absolutely good, even inside of this. And we might know of people, and, and my heart breaks for a lot of people. You know, I did a funeral once, and I see the next question there regarding suicide. Um, I did I did a funeral once for a young man, 26 years old, who had committed suicide. He'd just bought a house that was still busy being built uh, with his wife, and they'd recently been married, and they were busy building this. It would seem like somebody that, that life was all on the up for this yeah. individual. Yeah, yeah. And he went missing, and they thought, where is this guy? And they found him hanging in the garage of um, of this new house that's busy being built. And you think, what an absolute sadness. You know, now there, was God in control of that? You know, if God wanted the rope to break or the, the, this to be a failed suicide, God could have had that happen. You know, was this outside of God's plan? I don't believe that that was God's perfect plan for the man's life. He permitted that to happen in that way. And um, and so you look at these things, and, and I think sometimes we might scratch our heads, and that's maybe a good thing because, we're, because we're not God. Yeah. You know, And I think that's, that's a thing for us to be reminded of when it comes to things like life and death, yeah. is that his ways are far above our ways, just as his mind is far above our mind. And I think in the end, it's a humble place for us as creatures to fall underneath God's sovereignty and say, Lord, you're God. But, but I'm going to be as responsible and honor you and do what your word says. All right. Walking away from that one. Renny, bye. Thank you for the question. What you for us asked. You want to send in a question? You can do so. 082-657. Come on, scream for your story. 082 If it's pertaining to a scripture that you're not understanding, welcome to send that through to us. Just make mention of the scripture. It makes our life a little bit easier in a studio. Uh, oxymoron, so to speak, a catch-22. This one says, if a Christian, that's how the sentence starts, commits suicide, do they still go to heaven? What does the word of God say? So, so based on that question, and it's, it's good that you read it so slowly, it says that if a Christian, yeah. now a Christian can never lose their salvation. 
biblically. They not even with the sin of suicide. Suicide is not the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin in the scriptures, and I believe the biblical account of that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. A hardened heart. A hardened heart that remains rejecting until the last breath. And that's that's that sin that is unforgivable. And so the Bible, even when it comes to suicide, there's no explicit place within the Bible that says, well, you know, if you commit suicide, you're going to go straight to hell. Yeah. That, that is something that is taught in some uh, kind of, let's say, congregations denominations. and denominations. Yeah. Yes. And that's actually one of the things that sparked something of the Reformation heart in somebody like Martin Luther. There was this young boy that had committed suicide um, that... He, he was working on some project with building a church, I think it was, and they refused to bury him in the, let's say, the, the sacred burial ground because yeah. of the fact that he committed suicide. And there was this concept of, well, you're going to go immediately to hell. And it was something that was held, something like a guillotine over the, the heads of these peasants that, had, that were treated so cruelly by the elite of their day. And Martin Luther looked at this and it it sparked such a frustration in his heart because he saw the difficulty that this young man was facing and he had a heart toward that. And and, and so we can even accredit, in a sense, something of the 500 years ago Reformation to, to a question like this one. Because if we say that suicide is a sin that is unforgivable, then you're saved or unsaved based on your works. Yeah, because now, suicide is sin, and Jesus yes, died for all yes. sin. And so, so, so we, but we do need to be careful with this as well, because we're making a presumption and saying, if a Christian. Now, I, I do think that the Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Has the Christian then grieved the Holy Spirit? Uh, has the Christian then, or let's say, um, you know, because you can't lose salvation once you truly have it, but but and when you look at this from a biblical perspective, you know uh, you, you think of somebody like a and you you mentioned First Corinthians seven earlier on with a sorrow that leads to life and a sorrow that leads to death. We see that with somebody like Judas who had betrayed Jesus and he went out and he hung himself. You know there's there's that despair that led him to that point of hanging himself. Now the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Has then the Christian believed Satan? Instead of believing God, is it possible for the Christian to do that? I, I think it it can be. You know, I think it's somebody. Can. I, I read something yesterday. If Satan can talk a third of the angels out of heaven, yeah, imagine how he can try and talk you into hell. Yeah, uh, and we've got to be careful. We've got to. But, but then again, there are Rocky. We we've got to say to other. Sometimes the serotonin levels in your brain go highway. You're overstressed, overworked. But you a Christian. You're hot. Sometimes things go wrong, not so. And, yeah, and, and I think maybe just to bring this down more to our listener as well, and, and to any listener that's listening, I mean, First John 3, verse 15 is a, is a key passage because we might look at this externally and think, well, that's a that person that's yeah. maybe dealing with this. But listen to First John three fifteen. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Wow. Now that that's something that um, impacts every single one of us because have we not called a brother an idiot? Have yeah. we not gotten angry? Our Lord Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So all of us actually are guilty of murder. Yes. You know, before we even get saved. And character Jesus, assassination. You know, and Jesus has has done a marvelous work in us, hasn't he? And yeah. you know, first John 
1 verse 18 to to I think 20 uh, sorry first first John it's verse 8 until verse 10 um, is a marvelous passage as well let me just turn to that quickly first John 1 and that's verse uh, from verse 8 onwards it says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sin he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So taking it, I think, back, you know, you use the phrase of bringing it home, you know, to, to each of us. All of us have actually been guilty of so much sin, not just the sin of something like a suicide. That I think, you know, I think it's very sad if somebody gets to that point of despair. That they that that is what they they end up doing and and I would call on anybody that is even feeling that way inclined you know go to a pastor go to your elders within your local church um, look at some of the ways that you're feeling and actually seek to find out why am I feeling this way and you need to have your thoughts shepherded by the scriptures and so turn to the Lord wholeheartedly and cry out to Jesus for help. And it may be, like you've said, that there are sometimes even physical realities. I've had this on a, a number of occasions as a pastor where somebody gets hold of me and they're like, I'm going crazy. I don't know what's happening with me. You know, there's, there's something goes, and I, and I stop them eventually and I say, well, how, how much sleep have you had in the last three, four days? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I haven't been sleeping, pastor. Okay, well, you know, do you maybe think that you're going a bit nuts? Because you haven't been sleeping, because God has made you with a body that's supposed to have certain nutrients, certain amounts of sleep. And I've even at times even said, well, you know, I don't want you to take medication as a crutch, but maybe just take something that helps you sleep you yeah. know, and have a good proper sleep and then come back to me tomorrow about yeah. how you're feeling. And it's amazing just how much sleep can make an impact. You think about some of what you said of the serotonin and you're thinking of things like, um, you know, the, the, the various hormones that we yeah. even have. Some of the food that we eat, the oh, impact that man. that has on yeah. us. Yeah. So, and, and the fast food and this idea that we've just got to, like, be as quick as we can be and efficient as we can be. And much of this has, has caused a real breakdown. The, you know, our big issue in our age at the moment is addiction. You know, people yeah. are so addicted. We're addicted to our smartphones. We're addicted to pornography. We're addicted to shopping. We're addicted to compulsive behaviors of various kinds. And we, we make it seem okay because we, we give it different diagnoses. But that is sin. And we need to repent of our sin before God. Before we get to that end despair moment where we're just wanting to end our life. And realize as well. That that is almost the, the cherry on top of the cake of selfishness when it comes to suicide. You've been so selfish when you take your, your own life. You're not thinking about your wife or your children or your husband or your or family, your family mm. or those that now the, or even the pastor that's having to give the funeral. Um, you know, you're, you're behaving in a hateful manner towards everybody else. But I would say to any listener that is, that is feeling so, in such despair, cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ for help. Look to the scriptures and then even turn to those that may help you. And sadly, um, Vainant, often I've had this where people come to me at minute 99 when they've not been attending a local congregation. Yeah. They've not been walking rightly in their families. They've had the result of so much sin. And then they expect that I'm going to be able to fix that for them in a, in a moment. Yeah. Only Jesus can fix you. If you're in that type of a situation and turn wholeheartedly to the Lord Jesus, there's loads of disobedience 
in the life of an individual before they get to that point of, of suicide. Damn. And I think that's where we need to scale back to and say, what is going on in our lives that we're actually getting to that place? Because there's symptoms we haven't been dealing with. Uh, and, and we've been maybe medicating those symptoms, but we've not been getting to the heart core issue uh, of our relationship with God. So I hope that's helpful as an answer. Neil Buchner said, well, are we uh, suicide? We had nothing to do with our salvation. Jesus paid it all. We'll be back right after this. Cholera can levensgevaarlik wees, maar is voorkombaar as jy hier die vier dinge doen. Was hande dikvuls met seep en water. Was na gebruik van die toilet en voordat kos voorbereid en geëet word. Gebruik slechts veilige of ontsmette water om te drink en kos voor te berei. Suiver die water deur dit te kook en laat dit vir tenminste 3 na 5 minute borrel. Hou gesuiverde water in een skoon en bedekte houer. Vir meer inlichting oor cholera symptome en behandelings, skakel die Nationale Gezondheidshulplijn by 0800-029-999. Enige tyd van die dag, oproepe is gratis. Om ons geliefdes teen siektes te beskerm, is dit belangrijk om routine inentings op datum te hou. Die mazel en stof kan help om kinders teen mekaar te beskerm. Die menselike papilloomvirus en stof, of anders bekend as HPV en stof, beskerm ons meisies teen die risiko van cervicale kanker in die toekomst. Die COVID-19 en stof help om ons amal teen ernstige siektes te beskerm. Al hierdie en stoffe is gratis by openbare gezondheidsklinieke beskikbaar. Baie ouwers en verzorgers benut die voordeel van beskerming vir hulle en hulle kinders, dier hulle te laat inend. Vir meer inlichting, bel die Nationale Gezondheidslijn 24-7. Dis een gratis oproep, 0800-029-999. All parents and guardians of learners going to grade 1 and grade 8 in 2024 in Gauteng are informed that applications have been opened since the 15th of June 2023 and will close on the 21st of July 2023. To apply, log on to www.gdeadmissions.gov.za. Placement will start on the 4th of September and close when all applicants have been placed. For more, call us on 0800-000-789 or send us a WhatsApp message on 060-892-0361. Play your part. Apply online for Grade 1 and or Grade 8 at a Gauteng Public School. Growing Gauteng Together. Brought to you by the Gauteng Department of Education. From your ear, to your heart, to your mouth, to your feet. Join this life on 657 AM. Yeah, join this life on 657 AM. Picking up on Neil Hunter's uh, quote here on What's Up, Ari Suicide. We had nothing to do with our salvation. Jesus paid it all. Mm. Somebody else said, what about predestination? Does that mean that God knew many, even before the foundations of the earth, hmm. who would accept him, who he has chosen, that we have no say in it whatsoever? What about free will? Where does that come in? Rocky, we don't have much time. I think we've got about three minutes left. Maybe we should tackle in total this uh, question next week. Hmm. But would you care to just touch on it briefly? Yeah, uh, pre- predestination is the belief that God has already determined who will be saved and who will not. And this belief is based on a number of passages in the Bible, such as Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5, which says that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. 
And even there you see some of the responsibility of man that comes to the fore because we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so I think that part of the the question often comes, you know, well, if God has already determined this, then, you know, what is the use? Yeah, what's the use? You know, what's (laughs) the point of trying to live a good life as such? Because God has already, and I think that that's a good question and it does lead us to the tension that we're in. And that same kind of tone of earlier on where I said that we're, we're in time. God is outside of time. God has called us to be responsible and yet he is absolutely sovereign. And some people believing that, that, and, and sometimes the belief in predestination is, is maybe semantic, but it's, it's kind of a different idea that there's no point in trying to be good or do anything good or evangelize or pray because, you know, God's just already decided it. And so it will just, it's almost a fatalism that happens. And that is the incorrect view that that's not what the Bible would uphold. And others would believe that predestination doesn't mean um, that we don't have free will. Um, and, and kind of, they might even go to the opposite or the other side of the extreme. And they'll believe that God, knows who will be saved, but that, that we will be given this freedom in our choice, etc. So there's this tension then between God's sovereignty and our free will. And so it becomes a very complex issue and not necessarily something easily to answer. And so I think it will be good to maybe look at it in its own kind of segment. But some people believe that God's sovereignty and our free will are two sides of the same coin and others believe it's two sides of the opposite you know like one on the one side one on the other side um i I think that the biblical understanding in a nutshell of predestination is and i believe that the bible teaches that god has a plan for all of us and he has a plan for this world but that he has also given us the freedom to choose whether or not to accept his plan we can either reject his plan or we can turn to him And I believe that that is the biblical view of predestination. And it does a good job of even reconciling the tension between God's sovereignty and our free will. And just some passages on that you could jot down uh, because we don't have the time now. But Romans 8, 29 to 30 and Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 and 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. And, And I do think that there is a tension that needs to be kept there, almost like two railway tracks. You know, one part of the railway is God's sovereignty and the other part is his sovereignty. And the moment that we just kind of take only one track, we derail the train. And the moment we take the other track, we derail the train. It's not God, man's free will alone. Yeah. And it's also not God's sovereignty alone. It's it's both in conjunction. And there's this mystery of the way that God kind of keeps that together. And so, but predestination is there in the Bible. We cannot deny it. Election is there in the Bible. But it. But and, and we'll look at that maybe a little bit more next week. All right. Uh, make a promise here, commitment. If God t- tarries, the Lord tarries, and uh, we're here next week, well in life. We'll start the program then with predestination and uh, look at it more in depth, if that's okay with mm-hmm. you. Rocky, time to love and leave you, my brother. It's done and dusted into all eternity. One hour gone. If people want to write you an email, get hold of you, where do they get hold of you? You're welcome to do that on pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za. Pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za. This program will be podcasted uh, afterwards as well. You can go and re-listen to it. Search the scriptures. Good to listen to Rocky Weinand. Scriptural, skriftierlik, maar gaan onderzoek die skrifte om te kyk of hierdie dinge so is. All that's left to say is, look after yourself, my brother, my sister. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.